0: Uh,
1: my name is Dina al Tayeb. I'm a triathlete from Saudi Arabia. Challenge Wrath has been a dream race for me. I've always wanted to do this race ever since I started um, doing triathlon and and someone spoke to me about this race and showed me photos, I'm like this is the race to do. Uh, Challenge Roth is an amazing race, I've done over 100 races and this is in terms of spectators, in terms of spirit, one of the top races, like I can't stop speaking about this race it is an unbelievable experience it's a very uh, personal experience as well everyone that is there to cheer cheers from their heart they're there the whole day whether you finish the the race in a 10 in 10 hour and 15 hour they're still there the opening ceremony and the band was unbelievable i stayed so late i think maybe i was the last one of the last few people to leave Uh, And as well, the finish in that stadium with the cheering and the music, I felt like I went to the Olympics.
2: My name is Najla Halit. I'm Lebanese. I live in Dubai and I am a triathlete. Um, I've done Challenge Ross this year and I uh, really recommend this race for uh, any triathlete out there. So there is a reason why Ross is called the home of triathlons. Uh, The feeling at the start line is like just surreal. Thousands of spectators, like they line the course around the canal. You see hot air balloons flying over us while we're uh, waiting for our group uh, swim. Uh, the solar hill is just another level of beauty it's like an experience every cyclist should try like the energy you get from this uh hill is just i've never done something similar to it i felt i'm like a cyclist <laughs> and um yeah there are 7,000 volunteers in this race and that's so inspirational really and uh uh finish line party is like i think there's nothing like it in the world what they do there is just so good so it's so good to experience it
0: this is the medal set Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra-cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and medal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. More than 3,500 triathletes, 7,500 volunteers, and 300,000 spectators have been descending on a small town in Germany every summer since 1990. There's a reason Challenge Roth is considered among the top three long-distance triathlons in the world. And each year, the race sells out in under a minute, this year in 40 seconds for the 2024 edition. As you've heard from two triathletes from the Middle East who took on the challenge in June, this race is a celebration of endurance, determination and camaraderie, all of which I too got to experience as a spectator this year. We also did an episode in June with Dubai-based community athlete Najla Khaled on how to prepare for this challenge. We've linked that episode in our show notes. So what makes Challenge Rod the home of triathlon? Why is this race on every triathlete's wishlist? And how does the organization and safety of such a massive event pan out? Once the dust had settled from the 2023 edition, we caught up with Felix Walshofer, the race director, to find out what makes this one of the biggest races in the world and how participation from the Middle East is growing. Felix tells us why Challenge Roth is so special for him and shares personal stories of athletes that he has met over the years. We also discussed the looming issue of safety at such long-distance challenges and how races can evolve to improve the experience for athletes, both pros and amateurs who travel from all over the world for it. The snippet that you heard from the Triathlon Festival, yep, festival, at the start of the episode may have given you a taste of the vibe and energy that athletes and spectators can expect at this race. But nothing can prepare you for the true essence of it something that every athlete we spoke to at this race told us. You'll hear more from some of them in an upcoming episode. Before we dive into this discussion with Felix, I'd like to apologize for the audio quality of this episode as we face some technical issues when connecting with him virtually for the interview. But I can guarantee that Felix's passion and account of the race will more than make up for it. Enjoy! So, Felix, uh, thank you so much again for joining us on the medal set today to talk about yet another successful Challenge Roth edition and what is coming up in 2024. Um, Congratulations. I think, uh, you know, I was there as a spectator and... Just, you know, I remember scenes from Solarberg, all the volunteers on the course, you know, smiling and helping all the Mm -hmm. athletes out, the finish line party, which was phenomenal because I was there until 10.30, 11.30. And, you know, I I really, I remember those scenes and it's, it's not just me, it's all the athletes who came from the Middle East. Uh, you know, and the feedback that I've received uh, for them, this was probably their highlight race uh, amongst all the races that they've ever done. So again, congratulations. Now that the dust has settled, uh, have you had any time to put your feet up and reflect on uh, this year's challenge?
3: (laughs) Not yet, really. We are still in the process of Uh, working through all the last details from from this year. And then also we already have open registration uh, for next year. After 40 seconds, all the places will go on for next year, Um, especially as we are talking about sports in Middle East. What made me very, very happy, um, uh, the increase of participants from the Middle East is phenomenal. Uh, From Jordan, from Lebanon, uh, from Saudi Arabia, from um, Dubai, from Qatar. Uh, Iran, uh, Israel, it's all um, growing and uh, Oman as well. So it's really, really amazing to see more and more athletes and not only expats who live in in Dubai, for example, participating, uh, but nationals. And this is really, really great to see. Um, At the moment for next year, we have 97 nations on the start list. So it's a truly international event. Um, And speaking numbers, 50% are Germans, 50% are foreigners. And this is also for us a very, very important thing because we want to be an international sport festival. And and this is what we are going for next year. So um, dust is settling, you're right. But um, we are still in the process of uh, working through this year's edition. But we are very, very happy. And it was an extremely successful event.
0: So signups for next year's edition, like you said, uh, st- happened at the start of July. I have a lot of uh, friends who have managed to gain a spot in 2024, even though it's it's a race. That too is a race to the you know finish line. Uh, you said that you were sold out in 40 seconds. That's that's phenomenal. It's no easy feat to get into Challenge Roth. And it's it's really nice to see that a lot of uh, athletes from the Middle East are now seeing this as one of their A races. Why do you think there's such insane demand? Because I know this is one of the top five uh, challenges that people take on and w- within the tri-universe, I think uh, this is the top one of the top five. I've been to the race. I think I know why it is one of the top five, but according to you, why do you think it's one of the top five?
3: I would even go further. Um, uh, A lot of our pro athletes uh, said uh, that Roth this year overtook Hawaii. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, actually, we are talking about position one and two at the moment. Um, And I think it is, first of all, we have next year a 40-year history. The race is very, very old. In a community that absolutely embraces triathletes, but way more embraces foreign guests coming. We are not the biggest um, tourism region, but for two weeks in the year, the world is meeting here in rot And the locals are um, so appreciative that so many people from all around the world come together and have this happy celebration of sport and being together. We have had on race day 300,000 spectators. No other race in the world has 300,000 spectators. And to to show you the magnitude of that, um, we have a county where 120,000 people live in. Mm -hmm. And on race day, out of a sudden, there are 300,000 people. It's it's absolutely massive. Uh, More than this, we have 7,500 volunteers. So more volunteers than athletes. It's really amazing how the communities behind the event, uh, we have a lot of, uh, especially foreign athletes in homestay families uh, because everything is uh, booked out. We have huge camping grounds where it's kind of a little bit like Woodstock, you know, all the triathlon communities. I saw that. Yeah. Everyone's out with their
0: camper vans. and Exactly. They have
3: barbecues in the evening with their neighbors that they have never met before, but they are all triathletes and it's all all common language within triathletes, you know? So it's, it's really amazing to see that. I think from a, Organizatorical point, I would say we are one of the best race organizers out there. But way more important is that every year we invest more in the event. Every year we try to uh, make the event better, bigger. Um, We want to give back more to the athletes because the athletes are our customers. The athlete is paying a lot of money one year ahead. And we are in all their imaginations when they train swimming, cycling, running and And they have this dream to to cross the finish line alone, you know, to be um, at the swim start with thirty thousand people on the sides of the channel uh, at six thirty in the morning. They have uh, the imagination of Solar Hill where fifty thousand people are standing and and cheering the athletes up the hill. And we want to m- not only meet those expectations, but we want to exceed the expectations of our customers. So every year we try to get better, and I think this is one of the reasons why people really love coming back and new athletes uh, love to get a slot and as you said before it's now also a race uh, to get into the race and you have to be very very quick if you try uh, to get an online slot and then also we get we we have 1000 slots for people who are on the ground on the day after the event yeah and and people line up at midnight to get a slot for next day so it's it's really uh, crazy to see um um where the race has come and i think it's because really we every year we try to get better and every year uh, we are improving we're improving our services and we are not cutting back on costs and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it's also a different approach because we have no investor behind us
0: yeah Uh, we are a
3: family business owned by me my mom my sister that's it no one else is involved no one uh, needs any shares or whatever else and for us we want to pass this race, hopefully to the kids of my sister. They are still very young, and of course, yeah. they will have the chance to say yes, we want to do that, or no, we are interested in something completely different. But yeah, that's that's our approach. We have, uh, I think that's already-
0: what makes it that's what makes it a bit different, right? It's very personal for you. And I did um, did hear you say that you know you were uh, stretching yourself quite thin, uh, spreading yourself quite thin initially, and now you just want to focus on challenge Roth and absolutely Uh, being here being here for the race and seeing that everything from a to z is quite seamless for the athletes and the spectators who turn up exactly
3: What is really important to us, it's the biggest race in the world on the long distance by far, Yeah, but it needs to be extremely personal for everyone coming here. So this is why we have so many volunteers. This is why uh, we have so much staff, you know, because I want everyone to be treated on an eye to eye level. Uh, I want everyone to feel at home. We call this race home of triathlon, Right. and it, um, it, it must never be an event where uh, our customers feel, okay, this is a huge mass and I'm just a number. This must never happen.
0: Right. There are so many highlights from uh, 2023 already. The top one, obviously, being Daniel Arif as incredibly fast, ever, full distance, time at Challenge Rod this year. And a record that I think hasn't been broken for the last 12 years, right? Correct. Um, But tell us if you had to reflect uh, what are your highlights from this year's edition?
3: My highlights are surely the 5,000 stories of our 5,000 competitors. <laughs> um, when I'm standing at the finish line and giving high five to the finishers, and um, am able to look in their faces and seeing what they have done to come here, you know, not on that day, but uh, to to organize with their families, with their job, the distances they had to cross to come here, you know, the investment they did. And um, this is for me, the most rewarding point. The the world records that we have seen this year and the record of spectators and all that is fantastic and I'm very happy about it, but way more important for us is really to see what it means for, for our athletes, for the customers, that this is a very, very special day in their life. And that is so rewarding for us, that we are able to work in a surrounding where where dreams are fulfilled. And not only we sell you a pair of tires and then you can drive a bit faster or something, you know, but it is something meaningful. It is something really meaningful to thousands of people from all around the world. And that, for me, is the most rewarding. And there are, as I said, 5,000 individual stories and that's that's amazing.
0: Is there any um, any one story uh, away from the uh, records and away from the uh, you know the prose that you have and that you remember from any of the editions really of Challenge Roth?
3: Many. One one of this year that made me really really sad, for example, is. There's a woman from the county and uh, many years ago, she decided, okay, I need to do some sport. So I'm running the challenge woman fun run 5K mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm getting fit for that. And she did. And the next day she did it again. And then she said, okay, that's really not enough. I'll I'll run a marathon in one of the relays. So she started to run the marathon and she said, okay, i am done that. Let's do the swim in a relay, you know? And then she said, well, I really want to do the full thing. And she uh, entered the race for 2020, and then Corona came and the edition was cancelled. Right. And then -hmm. she kept on training. Um, 2021 uh, was an edition that we uh, could only do in September uh, due to the uh, regulations from the government. And Mm -hmm. uh, for example, in that year, Spankagers were not allowed. We did not go over Solar Hill just because uh, we did not uh, want to um, have, um, yeah. uh, spectators there there. so she decided hey i really want to do the full thing you know including solar including spectators so i will postpone i keep on training for another year then we came to the year 2022 and she again uh, was in good shape etc and then one week before she got a flu and was seriously sick so she had to cancel the event this year again she tried and uh, she was involved in a, a bike accident she fell from the bike and she she couldn't um uh, finish the race and um the red cross uh, called me and said hey Marlies is in um the uh, in our own hospital that we have set up here and i went uh, to to visit her and, and to see her face so many years so much effort and again it shouldn't happen and that was this year the moment that uh, emotionally make the most with me um, because it's such a brave woman next to sport, her family, her yeah. kids. Uh, she kept on doing it for so many years for that goal. And I I really hope she gives it another try and, and we'll see her happy and healthy next year on the finish line.
0: That's amazing. That's a great story. I think it's a great story of, uh, you know, a determination. And Absolutely. that's something that I, I, saw in all the athletes who turned up at Challenge Raw, they were determined to make it to the end, you know, unless something as unfortunate came up. This is also considered, to me, it's a very difficult course, just looking at it, just seeing, you know, all the athletes on this course, to me, it's a very difficult course, but it is considered one of the fastest courses. So it is a record-breaking course so i'm i'm assuming you weren't surprised that there were some records that were broken at uh, challenge rod this year what makes this course such a favorable course to break records though
3: i think because uh, first of all the swimming course is really really easy really really safe and it, it gives a lot of security to unsecure swimmers because we are swimming in a channel up and down mm-hmm. and you can always go to the side if you feel unsafe uh, if you get a panic attack and for uh, uneasy swimmers it's a very comforting situation so uh, you don't have the navigational problems like you have in an open sea or uh, in a big lake uh, where you have to navigate because it's very very easy that's for the swim course for the bike course yes we have 1200 um, altitude meters on that course But it's very rolling and um, we don't have a lot of 90% curves or going back and forth. No, we don't have that. And uh, we have an extremely slick asphalt um, and the county takes care for these roads immediately after the winter because they know thousands of athletes come for training here. And so they make sure that this course is always slick and we don't have any, any potholes or anything like that. Um so that makes it really, really fast. And then also the um, uh, run course is a really cool mixture of lonely stretches on the channel, mm-hmm. where you can see for miles. Yeah. And then you have uh, all the parts going through downtown road, going to Püvenbach, where there is a lot of bus, a lot of spectators, where you're not lonely at all. Um, so it's just a really, really great um, mixture. And uh, then for the pros, Roth is renowned um, for its myth, it's renowned that all the media is here. It's um, renowned for the exposure uh, the pro athletes get. And so more and more pro athletes come every year. Yeah. And of course, that also makes the times really fast because the best of the best are racing together.
0: And this year, I think there were a lot a lots of best of the bests at the start line, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, you also had old record holders who were at the finish line to greet not just the pros who were making it to the finish line, but also the other athletes who were there. That was a very special touch, I think, for everyone.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it was great because Chrissy Wellington, when she saw the start list, she said, I'm pretty sure my record is going to be broken. Right. And I want to be there and hand over the medal to my successor. And Jan yeah. said the same. And um, this is, I think, another thing that in road. The whole triathlon community comes together once a year. We have the by far biggest triathlon expo in the world. That, as such, is a big magnet for every triathlon interested uh, uh, person. You know, so um, we have so many spectators just coming for the expo itself. Um, and then all the triathletes, uh, pro triathletes, ex-pro triathletes that are not racing are here as well. Lothar Leder and his wife, Luther, who uh, was the first man to break the eight-hour barrier in the mm-hmm. road, and is here every year. Um, and um, yeah, it's a big getting together of everyone.
0: Um, I was at the race briefing and one of the things that caught my attention from uh, your briefing in obviously in addition to the attention attention to detail to make the race as stress free as possible for all the athletes was the uh, safety element, especially since the incident at uh, Ironman Hamburg was so fresh going into challenge Roth uh, in everyone's mind. With regard to that, uh, what changes did you make to the race to make it safer this year? And also moving forward, I mean, what sort of review will you be doing and updating in terms of making the, you know, race really safe for everyone to take part?
3: so actually we didn't change anything um, because our changes are made right after the event. So for example, in September, we are sitting together with all the authorities. This week it begins with the police, for example, but all the other authorities as well. And then we review what was good, what was bad, how can we improve safety? And then it is implemented immediately because we have a long lead up time. For example, um, after last year's event, In September, we decided, okay, um, we had hay balls um, being on corners where you go down with high uh, speed in case someone crashes. um, He or she would uh, go against those hay balls and not against metal installations. Right. Um, We said, okay, um, because less and less farmers produce those old traditional hay balls, we are investing into ski mats that you know from ski uh, sports. Okay. So we ordered a whole truckload of those ski mats already last year. So um, we really focus on the safety already after the event. Um, in um, December, we had the first call with the pro athletes and with the Federation and the pro athletes asked us to take out motorcycles, which we uh, then announced in March, way before Hamburg. And the, the Hamburg tragedy was because there were, I think, 18 motorcycles with right. the pro eight man, you know, and yeah. then this tragedy happened. But what no one is speaking about that apart from the tragedy, it was a totally un- um, uh, unsafe race, first of all, but also it was a race that was not a race anymore because 18 motorcycles give so much draft that it was a totally illegal race as well, you know, and Armin doesn't really care there anymore. Mm-hmm. And we already decided that things like that cannot happen anymore. Back in March. So we didn't really have to change things because we're always looking on our things. Of course, we see what other races do and and, uh, good things uh, happening out there. And then we incorporate that in our um, uh, clinics as well. Uh, But we didn't really have to change anything because really we focus on fairness, but more uh, than fairness on security all the time.
0: Right. Uh, Why do you think, uh, so this is not like, Ironman Hamburg is just one incident in, you know, kind of these sporadic incidents that happen within the triathlete community and races. Why do you think there's less and less attention to safety at this point, even though, you know, triathletes do talk a lot about and discuss safety as one of the biggest concerns, obviously, to their life and when they're racing, that's not one of the things that they need, they should be stressing about in the first place. No, no, no.
3: Security must be priority number one for every race out there. It doesn't matter if it's a 5K fun run or an iron distance Mm -hmm. race, you know. Um, I think um, Ironman is under huge financial pressure at the moment. They are saving uh, back on staff. I have a lot of contacts here to the uh, German colleagues. And in the last years, there is so much yeah, problems in that organization that either they don't have the uh, attention to detail there anymore um or yeah i don't i don't have another answer for that mm-hmm. but this Big pressure on saving money, cutting costs. You know, it's resulting now that in Germany, uh, at the Ironman races, there is no pasta party anymore. You know, there is no volunteers party anymore. You can't do those things. You know, you cannot ask people to work voluntarily to help the athletes and then not even invest in a volunteers party anymore. Right. It's an absolute no-go. And I think this is the prime example of how far Ironman has come in saving money, and this is something that is uh, absolutely um destructional to the sport, and we see that now worldwide, and that is very, very bad for the whole sport community. And at the end of the day, it's also really bad uh, for us because, for example, after the tragic incident in Hamburg, of course, we were called also to the police. Oh my God, can this happen here? You know, then yeah. we had to explain, no, look, what we have all done, you know, and you are a part of all the um meetings as well. And then they saw, okay, yes. True, this can't happen because we don't have out-and-backs. We don't have cobblestones on the on the bike course. You know, right. we don't have an unsecure bike course like the unsecure bike course in Hamburg, you know? So this cannot happen. But what I want to say with it is everyone suffers from bad decisions from Ironman. And mm-hmm. this is very, very harmful for triathlon or the long distance in general. And um, this is hopefully what's gonna uh, stop now. And hopefully Ironman um, is, uh, bringing a second thought in there and investing again in their uh, races. Uh,
0: there's another element of this race that caught my attention. Um, and I haven't seen this uh, quite commonly in other races. Women take off right a- after the pros in this race. Uh, why do you decide to do that? Why did you decide to do that?
3: Because women asked us. Uh, We have a huge survey every year after the race where we ask our athletes what is good, what is bad, what do you want to have changed. And I don't get it together anymore. I think it must have been eight or ten years ago Mm -hmm. where women said, hey, can we please have our own start waves? Mm -hmm. Where we are in the start wave, women only, because together with the men, it can be quite claustrophobic. um, uh, Yeah. we would love to have our own start waves. And if the women want this, they got this. So this is always how we, how we uh, work. Um, Also in um, working together with our pro women, Um, they said, Hey, we don't want to start together with the pro man anymore. Can we get a three minute gap and then we want to have our own way? Yes, sure you can. Mm -hmm. So we really rely on the feedback of our customers and then we change.
0: Uh, there are also other aspects of the race which I think make it more inclusive and accommodating of all abilities. Can you take me through some of them? I mean, how do you make a race that is inviting to everybody and not just the pros and not just people who want to get a sub-nine uh, or want to like you know uh, make it to the finish line at, at the fastest time possible?
3: Because we are not a race where you have to qualify for and where you have to be very, very fast, the big majority of athletes is about their journey and is about their finish, and it's mm-hmm. not about fast times, and that's actually a good thing because yeah. uh, people who dream about their finish um, they bring so much more emotion than just okay, I want to shave off ten minutes of my best time, you know. Yeah, and um, they bring so much more to the event, and um, we want to be extremely exclusive. Uh, inclusive, sorry, inclusive. Um, and that, for example, shows also we are very much working together with the inclusion network of the county. For example, it led to that this year we have an old grandstand for um, spectators in wheelchairs with uh, walking aids. It was a platform mm-hmm. with a ramp uh, that was um, reserved for um, uh, people with a handicap. And this is very important to us, you know. And we want that everyone can join. Uh, do we have special toilets for uh, people with disabilities? Yes, we have. Uh, on on the steps um, that we have on the uh, on the whole place, uh, we have those um, yellow and black um, mm-hmm. signs, you know that. Yeah. For example, with a stick and, and with um, less uh, good eyesight, they can see it better. You know, so we're doing a lot, a lot, a lot um, to yeah to be very inclusive. And also, of course, for athletes, um, we want athletes with disabilities. We help them. We give out passes to their families that they can help in transition. We ask every single athlete with a disability, tell us what you need. We will have a solution for you and a personal solution, not a okay one solution fits all um and yeah this is this is really the stories that uh that impress me personally the most as well because yes it is a really really long journey over many kilometers but imagine you only have one leg or imagine if you only have one arm
0: yeah yeah and all of this uh all these features this the safety measures uh you know the seamlessness for every athlete is not possible without the army of 7,500 volunteers that show up every year to make this event a success. How do you manage to attract so many volunteers each year?
3: I think it's um, appreciation. It's really appreciation. I'm sitting on a motorcycle during a race day and stop at every aid station. I give every of my volunteers a a handshake and say thank you. We see you, we, we appreciate what you are doing for the athletes, but ultimately also for us in the race. And I think it's the appreciation and that is so important and this is why we have so many uh, volunteers and it goes down to what we give them the volunteers party or the prizes we have at the volunteers party that germany's most renowned uh, football star was here in ross as well to have a look at the event because he's organizing the european uh, football championship next mm-hmm. year and he's also uh, having the uh, situation okay how can we attract volunteers so he wanted to learn from it so he spoke in the volunteer a that we produce for the volunteers, right. to the volunteers, to say thank you for what you're doing. Also, we are thinking a lot, a lot what we can do to make the Volunteer's Day a very, very special and memorable day as well. And I think it's it's appreciation. And as Daniel Beckegaard said in his recent uh, YouTube video, many races don't have as many spectators as Roth has in Transition 2. And that's right.
0: Yeah. In transition
3: two, we have 1,200 volunteers. You get off your bike, someone takes your bike. You run towards the tent, someone will give you your change bag. You will sit down in the change tent. Our volunteers will undress you and dress you, will put you on the shoes, will ask you if you need sunscreen or not. And then they will pack your bag and send yours, you know. And I think this is really special. And um, Roth stands out a lot when it comes to the direct services to the uh, athletes. And this can only happen because of our fantastic volunteers and the appreciation we show, but also our athletes show to the volunteers. Because much more than a thank you from me and from the organization is a thank you from an athlete that the volunteer just helped. And we encourage this. I go um, to the Uh, briefings um, and ask the athletes please please say thank you or give a smile because this is meaningful for our I
0: I can tell you from uh, my friends who did participate this year, uh, they were not only appreciative, but I think their race became so much more better because of the volunteers being there, not just helping them, but just a smile. Uh, Just a smile kind of, you know, takes you miles, miles more, right?
3: And also the emails that we receive after the race where athletes tell us, I would have stopped I really would have stopped, but volunteer uh, XY said he talked to me and he walked with me and he made sure that I get back on track. And this is lovely stories that they go above and beyond anything we could ever ask them to do, because for them, it is a personal thing to help their athletes. And this is special.
0: I actually had the privilege of uh, speaking to a couple of volunteers while I was there uh, because we were waiting waiting to see our friends come on the course. And I, I spoke to some of the volunteers while I was there and uh, I realized that there were some of them who are now probably in their late 20s who started volunteering when they were children, and their yeah. parents volunteer as well. So it's a it's a family affair because they're all yes. there now volunteering yeah. every year. So it's it was really heartwarming to see. Really,
3: yeah. At our 22 aid stations on the run,
0: mm-hmm. we have a lot
3: of aid stations where long time ago someone started to manage this aid station together with. His or her family, yeah. neighbors, sisters, friends, colleagues, and now this person is a grandpa, and the grandchildren are managing <laughs> the aid station, and they are still volunteering. And I think this is also one of the secrets because no knowledge is being uh, lost; the knowledge is being transferred. I can't tell my volunteers how to do it because they know better than I know. Yeah, and this is also how we organize everything. You know, I if full freedom to my whole organization for organization purposes they have full money uh, uh, rights if they need anything they should buy it and they should then listen to what the volunteers want and now we're getting in the a time where we have the debriefs with all the volunteer stations, where the volunteers tell us how can we improve, what's their ideas. And they are on the front, they are on the basis. They know exactly what the athletes need, what they want, and then they pass it on. And we are very, very slim organization. It's it's me and the office crew, then we have the directors, and then we have the volunteers. So it's very, very slim and everyone is um, entitled to to do decisions and the decisions are not being taken by me or by the office but there where it matters
0: would you say that the challenge has then evolved over the years because obviously every year is a lesson there's a learning Uh, and over the years what are some of those learnings that you've had that have helped you improve the race for the athletes for the spectators for the volunteers
3: Most of the improvements we get are directly by our customers. The athlete tell us after the race, hey, this was really good. Mm -hmm. And hey, can you please think about that? You know, we have a really, really big problem Um, on the run course. We want to distribute ice. But the problem is on the channel, we don't have electricity. We don't have installations to cool it. You know, we don't even have water supply on the channel. So we need huge water tanks. Uh, on the channel in order to have enough water out there and uh, this year we found a really cool um uh, company uh who was able to supply us with uh, big ice blocks and um, that didn't melt uh, uh quickly you know so it was a test balloon this year next year we'll have ice uh, on on nearly every aid station you know so it's evolving things and, and trying things um, a couple of years ago we had big firework display Nowadays in Germany, it's extremely dry in the summer. Uh, There is a big fire hazard. And not to speak about uh, the emissions that we do and uh, stuff like that. So we decided, hey, a laser show can be really, really cool as well. Maybe in five to 10 years, we'll have a drone laser show, you know, Mm -hmm. because prices come down. So every year we try to improve. We Uh, We definitely incorporate the um, input that we get from our customers and from the volunteers after the event. And that's our basis to work for the year. Um,
0: 2023 is done uh, and dusted. I'm pretty sure you're on the 2024 bandwagon already. So coming to 2024, what can those who have gotten their spots expect?
3: That we try to exceed their expectations. And that's a promise that we will do every year. And until now, we have kept this promise every year. I can't tell you in detail at the moment, because we are still working on the 2023 edition to wrap everything up. Um, but uh, for example, in September, we take a whole week uh, out of office, uh, go in the mountains in Austria and with the whole uh, team and speak about, hey, what can we do differently? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Where can we show the strengths of Roth even better? Uh, What are the wishes? Uh, Last year, the athletes told us, hey, please, as an athlete present, we don't want a backpack anymore because we have several backpacks. (laughs) Right. So we decided on a really cool toiletry bag, you know. Now we are getting feedback, hey, that's a really cool idea for all the athletes who have been here so many times. And we really appreciate a great idea, but all the newbies wanted a backpack desperately. So <laughs> now we see that uh, the um, public opinion is going back to the backpack. So, yeah. so let me go back to the backpack. Yeah? <laughs> we, we let the athletes help us. We ask for their opinion, but then also we follow their opinion.
0: Right. And the race I believe has moved uh, forward to July again, where which was the case before. Uh, yep. What What has prompted this decision and this move and is it better for the athletes and those who come to watch as well?
3: And um, so our traditional date is the first uh, Sunday in July. Mm-hmm. Since many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we are always speaking with our colleagues from Ironman, for example, mm-hmm. and other big organizations. And uh, Ironman has asked us because they had to move to July 1st this year with their Ironman Frankfurt date. And we don't want to clash. We don't want to split the community. Yeah. Ironman doesn't want to do that. We don't want to do that right. here in Germany. And this is why they ask us, hey, can you go on our date, which is, was the last Sunday in June. And we said, hey, uh, you let us decide in the past years, of course, it's now also our obligation to to move. Um, next year, um, um, Frankfurt goes to August 18th, I believe, so quite late. So we are going back to our traditional uh, date, which is the first Sunday in July.
0: Great. Um, a lot of energy, of course, also for the race also comes from the 30,000 spectators who come out to watch and support the athletes on the course. Uh, how important is it for Challenge Rot to accommodate these people and you know make sure that they are also supported, considering they're going to be there all day, from morning, all the way up to like dusk or you know 11, 11 p.m at night, really?
3: yeah actually they are here even longer because most of them come the day before as a spectator and leave on yeah. monday because it's just such a long day and if yeah. they're coming from hamburg they have a drive of eight hours ahead of them yeah you know? so yeah we do a lot but they feel uh welcome as well because we need them we need them for our athletes uh, uh we want um that uh, three hundred thousand like this year are standing on the roads um uh, and, and cheer on our athletes so um of course Everything around the races, food, drinks, Uh, we involve a lot of teams, clubs, etc. And that's also uh, one of the points why the region is so much behind it. Because all of the uh, different teams and clubs, and it doesn't matter if it's a football club or a triathlon club or a cricket Mm -hmm. club, they go out, they do, um, we call it hotspot, on the course so they organize it mm-hmm. they have an announcer, but also they sell drink and food and the income goes hundred percent to the team and club and right. this is how they finance themselves as well for example to pay the swim lanes in winter um uh, for their triathletes etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: Great. Um, And again, all of this comes back to community, supporting the community, supporting Roth, supporting the neighboring, uh, you know, uh, counties that you're talking about. Uh, We at the Metal Set are also all about building community and encouraging more people also into sport, uh, you know, community. And community has been the backbone of Challenge Roth, as you've said. Um, Is it true that at some point the challenge was at risk of not continuing and that you had the backing of the community? Community to like push you through
3: well uh, uh, in the corona time it was really really hard for us mm-hmm. because uh, we um, we couldn't do the race it's yes yeah. uh, only income of this uh, company and the triathlon community helped us and the community here helped us absolutely we paid back for the entry fees and we um, asked the athletes hey if you want to donate a part of the entry fee that we are now paying back and it would help us tremendously. And so many athletes did. And that was the most heartwarming thing we have ever experienced. And we also said, okay, we can't just let that stand. you know. So what we did is for everyone who donated um, that they got uh, the, um, the right to pre-enter the race twice within 10 years. So every year in April, all the very, very generous people who donated part of their uh, entry as the pre-right for registration and as we said before it's 40 seconds until the race is sold out yeah. so it is a voice for them as well and and yeah it was a way of us to say thank you um for helping us to go through this very very difficult times
0: and and in your success how would you measure all of this community support that you've received in in the entire success of challenge Roth and what you are planning to do in 2024 and beyond
3: i would say The community of triathletes, the community of the county, the volunteers, the community of our partners and sponsors, I would rate 95%. If we wouldn't have this really wonderful uh, relationships, the race wouldn't be on the on the standard that it is.
0: Great. Felix, before I let you go, um, I, I, my final question to you would be if there's someone who wants to do Challenge Roth, what are, what are the three reasons you would give them to, to come and do it? If not this year, considering you're already sold out, but I think you opened some slots, which you'll have to tell us about. Uh, but what would be the three reasons that you would give them?
3: Three reasons is it's the biggest triathlon festival on earth. And every triathlete should have done it once the second thing is if you want to feel like a total rock star going through uh, a solar hill um yes come and do it because you can only understand the magnitude if you have stood on that hill or if you have even better ridden through that hill it's just unbelievable and the third thing is i think you just can't imagine what the whole atmosphere here, and I'm sure you'll agree, gives to you. It's mm-hmm. You can't explain it. It's a worldwide getting together of wonderful persons. And the energy you take from it is amazing.
0: Great. Uh, just finally tell us, uh, is there another opportunity for people to uh, book a slot at Challenge Rod this year?
3: Yes, normally we end uh, we open registration for very, very few slots again on December 6th. We'll have to see actually this year how many slots are available. That uh, Those are the slots of uh, people who until then decided they can't raise mm-hmm. um, or uh, contingents from sponsors and partners that are not used. So um, that is then on December 6th, not for relays, only for single participants.
0: Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Felix, for joining us. This was, uh, i again, I have to tell you that this was probably one of the best races I have attended, uh, right from the wipe to all the feedback that I received from the athletes who participated. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to uh, being back at some point again.
3: Wonderful, would love to see you.
0: Perfect, thank you so much. Congratulations and uh, good luck for 2024.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, have a good one.
3: Thank you. You the Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on the Set.com for more stories and resources.
3: Thanks again for listening.
0: Your support means the world to us.
3: This is The Metal Set.